Anyway, uh, ladies, while it may seem that the nudie bar is the place where men go to watch surgically altered hooters sway oddly to bad music, in reality, it is a place where men go to relax and unwind and watch surgically altered hooters sway oddly to bad music, Pat. Let's rock. I get a open. No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. Welcome back to the Married with Children podcast. This is Luigi. While it may seem that the nudie bar is a place where men go to watch surgically altered hooters sway oddly to bad music, in reality, it is a place where men go to relax and unwind and watch surgically altered hooters sway oddly to bad music. (laughs) And this is Chris. I was just putting a bumper sticker on my neighbor's car. She's a feminist. Hairy women need loving too, you know. Today we are reviewing Season 9, Episode 14, The Naked and the Dead, but mostly the naked. Original air date, January 8th, 1995. To check out their husband's claim of totally innocent fun, Peggy, Marcy, and their friends accompany their husbands, Al Jefferson, Charlie, Ike, and Bob Rooney to the Jiggly Room strip club. Afraid of the ladies' responses, Al and the group take them out on a Thursday night where it's A-cup night so that the men won't get excited by the small-breasted dancers. Everything goes well at first until the unexpected arrival of a huge-breasted stripper named Rocky Mountains. Meanwhile, Kelly lands a part in a weight loss commercial and must drink various undrinkable protein shakes. Director, Sam W. Orender. Writers, Michael G. Moyet. Or Moy. Is it Moyet or Moy? I've always thought it's Moye, but it very could easily be Moy. Okay. Special guest stars. Barry Shabaka Henley as Charlie. Mother Love as Helen, who's Charlie's wife. E.E. E. Bell as Bob Rooney. Tom McClyster as Ike. Leland Orser as Mark, who is the director. Alex Elias as Louise, who is Bob Rooney's wife, Carol Ann Susie as Franny, Ike's wife, Brandy Ledford as Brandy, Michael Caldwell as Peter, Fuminari Shishido as Mylin, Lethal Weapons as Rocky Mountains, Iqbal Theba as Iqbal, Judy Carmen as Diane, Ken Sean as stage manager, and Buck as Buck. <laughs> Man, I just got to ask, that Letha Weapons, is that really her real name or is that her porn name? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to make an assumption that it's her porn name. Because <laughs> I'm like, if that's her real name, then, you know, maybe she's destined at birth, I guess you could say. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we also have... Riza Benson, who was uncredited as the nurse stripper. And Kevin Curran is the voice of Buck. Tonight, it's party time! 
It's a wild night at the nudie bar until the wives show up. A brand new Married with Children tonight. All right. The title of this episode is a reference to The Naked and the Dead, a 1958 Technicolor widescreen film based on Norman Mailer's World War II novel of the same name. Directed by Raoul Walsh and filmed in Panama, the screenplay attributed to the Sanders brothers adds a striptease in action scenes to Mailer's original narrative. One of the last films made by RKO before its closure, the film was released by Warner Brothers and was one of the last Raoul Walsh directed for that studio. So Chris, happy to be back in the nudie bar. Absolutely, man. It feels like it's been forever since we've been in here. But uh, yeah. I'm glad to be here. Uh, you know, I wish it wasn't a cup night, but you know, we've got the wives with us, so we gotta gotta play it safe, you know what I mean? <laughs> we don't we, last thing we want to do is be here and have Rocky Mountain show up. That'd be a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, and we'll talk about her later. Now, you know, we always talk about the nudie bar, but this is one of those episodes that's actually in the nudie bar. Mm-hmm. So when was the last time we saw the nudie bar? Oh, boy. Got to think about that. Well, of course, we saw it in season five. That's when uh, that was the episode where Bud turned 18, I believe. That was season five, right? Uh, six. Was oh, that six? Okay, that was season six. I'm trying to think about season seven and eight, if we saw it. Yeah, I'm thinking of like my eggs, my eggs above my legs. Yeah, yeah, my eggs, my eggs is probably the last time. Because <laughs> remember the guys go in and like they're all screaming hooters, hooters with their dollars. Yep, yep. All right, so, uh, so here we are in the infamous nudie bar. I remember when Alex and crew first went into the nudie bar, which I think was that season six episode. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember how excited that they were at that time because, you know, we've been talking about, you know, live from the nudie bar since the podcast had begun, but now you actually got into the nudie bar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, one of the things you have here in the notes is um, that, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the women in the series actually go to a nudie bar uh, well before the men do, <laughs> which is kind of funny. You know, uh, Peg and Marcy go to the uh, Troys way back in season two, I believe. That's I'm right. And you Girls know, just want to have fun. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's kind of funny because, you know, when people think of Married with Children, they think of Al and No Ma'am and company going to the nudie bar. We don't actually see Al in the nudie bar until season six, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. You know, the women went as early as season two. <laughs> When they went to Troy's, uh, Marcy lost her ring down Zorro's pants. Okay, so let's get started. So we open with Peg and the no man wives around the Bundy kitchen table. Here we go. <laughs> Fresh from the oven. Not that I bake, mind you. It's just that that's where I hide it from Al and the kids. <laughs> I'll get the forks. Now let's see. Where do I keep the good plastic? We couldn't wait. Whoa, glad I'm not made of buttercream frosting. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they inhaled that cake, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, they were were all over it. (laughs) That's putting it nicely. 
So, you know, Kelly walks in and says, Mom. What is the best news that you could possibly hear? They're making men in flavors. <laughs> yeah. I got a commercial. Now, it's not just any commercial. I am going to be the new Waste Away Diet Girl. Oh, oh, honey, that is terrific. Waste Away, that's a good diet. I've lost hundreds of pounds on that one. You know, I am one of those people that can't lose weight no matter what. I don't know, you know, slow metabolism, I guess. I don't know. Mom, don't you see what this means? This could be my springboard to Hollywood. TV, movies, made for TV movies, movies made from old TV. <laughs> Mom, I'm finally on my way. <sighs> hey, Buck, I'm finally on my way. Mr. Clock, I'm finally on my way. <laughs> but in the rubber woman, I'm finally on my way. Mom, what is the best news you could possibly hear? And then there's, I think it's Ike's wife says, they're making men in flavors. <laughs> uh, Kelly talks about this diet called the Waste Away Diet. And we're going to see how it's a liquid diet. Mm-hmm. Now, Chris, do you remember the diet fads of the 90s? Yeah. I mean, I was a little young, um, you know, in the 90s itself. But when I, when I, hear waste away for some reason the thing that comes to mind for me right away was like slim fast the fact is you could talk about losing weight or you could take just one month and actually do something about it if you start today you could lose up to 10 pounds in a month on the ultra slim fast plan it's how i lost my weight 10 pounds the first month 50 pounds in six months the plan's easy the calories are counted the fat grams computed nutrition it's all in there a shake for breakfast and lunch delicious candy bars as snacks and a sensible dinner so come on start ultra slim fast today you could lose 10 pounds in a month are, are those even still a thing is slim fast still out there yeah i'm sure it is okay yeah that was that was what you know when i, I was a kid in the 90s but i remember adults you know drinking slim fast that was kind of the big thing you know as like meal replacements and stuff <laughs> Now, I'll tell you, uh, one of my uncles actually uh, gained weight on the Slim Fast diet. <laughs> you know, so he goes to me, it's like, you know, I've been on the Slim Fast diet for a week and I've gained five pounds. So at the time, and this was, uh, I'm going to say around this time, like 1995, it was my summer vacation. I was working in a family business at the time. So my uncle comes in and he tells me the story about gaining weight on the Slim Fast diet. So, you know, I was watching him during the day. So he had, you know, Thing with the Slim Fast Diet, the commercials used to say, you know, have a shake for breakfast, a shake for lunch, and then dinner. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, lunchtime rolls around and he comes out with this shake and all of a sudden, like, you know, he unwraps a sandwich. <laughs> and I said to him, well, you know, the purpose is you're supposed to drink the shake and not the sandwich. Yeah. I said, I think that's the reason why you gained five pounds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, oh, it. I can't do that. Yeah. You have to use it as a meal replacement. <laughs> You can't you can't drink it and eat the meal like normal. <laughs> yep. So, um, so Charlie's wife says that she's lost hundreds of pounds on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's a big woman to begin with on the screen. So I guess the implication is that you know she was even heavier 
at some point. Yep. Then you have Bob Rooney's wife who says that she can't lose weight no matter what, but she's like eating uh, ice cream right out of that uh, container. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, this is like obviously just making fun of like, uh, you know, kind of a gross exaggeration of people who, you know, I know people in real life. They're like, I don't know why I can't lose weight. I don't know why I'm this. I don't know why I'm that. I'm like, well, all you ever do is eat Whataburger and you never exercise. You know, you're like... (laughs) Like you gotta either one or the other. You either a got to get a lot of exercise, or b you got to reduce your calories. You know, <laughs> one of the two. Like I, I eat a lot. I'm not gonna lie, but I also work out and exercise a lot. So my metabolism is always uh, sped up, so to speak, because I've always exercised a lot. You know. <laughs> yeah, and we could talk about things like you know body types. I mean, the thing is, you know, there are people out there who unfortunately through no fault of their own, but maybe just through their genetics. Right. Can't lose, can't lose weight. I mean, yeah, it's like, it's like one thing to say, well, you know, like I'm overweight, but, and you know, and some people can be overweight and exercise and lose weight, but it's not easy for everyone. I mean, I'll tell you, like I've been trying to lose at least 20 pounds for like the last four or five years. Yeah. And it's been very difficult. And when I was younger, it was difficult for me to put on weight. Yeah. So it's, it's like now you've reached the point where, like, trying to go the opposite direction is like you know very very difficult. Yeah, yeah, you're you're 100 right. And in, in all honesty, I'll probably be in your shoes in about five years. <laughs> so we all we all get there, you know. That's always been my thing. Is it's been difficult to to gain weight, really. But I'm sure I'll be there one day. <laughs> So Kelly is so excited about landing this commercial. Yep. Dude, one of the funniest, and I completely missed it there, but one of the funniest laughs of this episode was whenever Kelly goes up that staircase and is like, I'm finally on my way. And she says to the, clo- uh, the clock, I'm finally on my way. And then she goes, Bud and the rubber woman, I'm finally on my way. <laughs> I mean, he, she could have called it by its name, Isis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Excuse me, her name, right? Right. <laughs> well, I guess maybe the rubber woman, you know, wants to be uh, gender identified, right? Yeah. It's a she. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Enter Marcy. I take it Al and his no ma'am heard had a meeting tonight? Yeah, why? Because there's a bumper sticker on my car which says, support feminists, hairy women need love too. <laughs> So tell me, where is the little knuckle walker? With the rest of the husbands down at the Jiggly Room. The Jiggly Room? Isn't that a strip club? No, it's a school of science and industry. So Marcy says, I take it Alan is no ma'am heard at a meeting tonight? Because there's a bunker sticker on my car which says, support feminists, hairy women need love too. Hairy women, <laughs> hairy women need loving too, man. So I love this line. Marcy says, so tell me, where is the little knuckle walker with the rest of the husbands? Uh, the, the responses with the rest of the husbands on the jiggly room. Is this the jiggly room? Isn't that a strip club? <laughs> so uh, um, <laughs> Ike's wife says, no, it's a school of science and industry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, I love that actress's voice. Uh, so yeah. that's Carolyn Susie, who would mm-hmm. become the voice of Howard's mom on The Big Bang Theory. Wow. I would have never made that connection. Yeah, thanks to Annabelle for that one. Mm. So now we have a 
reference made to John F. Kennedy Jr. by Marcy. Do you all mind if I ask you a question? Do we have to stop eating? <laughs> Why do you let your husbands go to places like that? Think about the message that they're sending. They're saying, you don't turn us on anymore, so we'll just get stimulated elsewhere. Well, that's sick. It's disgusting. It's... Oh, my God, is that John F. Kennedy Jr.? <laughs> John Fitzgerald Kennedy Jr., often referred to as John John or JFK Jr., was an American lawyer, journalist, and magazine publisher. He was the son of President John F. Kennedy and First Lady Jacqueline Kennedy and younger brother of Carolyn Kennedy. His father was assassinated three days before his third birthday. From his childhood years at the White House, Kennedy was the subject of much media scrutiny and became a popular social figure in Manhattan. Trained as a lawyer, he worked as a New York City assistant district attorney for almost four years. In 1995, he launched George Magazine, using his political and celebrity status to publicize it. Unfortunately, he died in a plane crash in 1999 at the age of 38. He was considered a sex symbol. So I guess we know that's why Marcy was getting so excited there. <laughs> I love it when Marcy has her little... Uh, uh, perverted fantasies, we shall say. <laughs> you know, she's. We've seen her fawn over, you know, George Foreman and now John F. Kennedy Jr. <laughs> so she has her fantasies, that's for sure. <laughs> it's downright insulting. Marcy, what is the big deal? All men go to strip clubs. Not my Jefferson. You may let the eyes of your men wander, but I am more than enough woman for mine. <laughs> yeah so actually that's a question chris i mean do you go to strip clubs i oddly enough well i've only been once oddly enough and i, I didn't really enjoy it if we're being honest <laughs> i know that may you know come as a surprise to someone who uh watches uh Mary, you know a big fan of married with children but i've only been once i didn't particularly enjoy it i think mainly because uh well, I mean, I guess just going down the line, uh, I don't smoke. And at the time, I didn't drink whenever I went. And I don't know. I just, just like the guys that took me, uh, it was whenever I was joining the uh, Army National Guard. So the guys that took me, they paid for my lap dances and stuff. But I don't know. I didn't like it as much as I thought I would. And how about yourself? Great questions. Um, I've also been to a strip club once, but not for what you would think. So when I was in college, so I studied engineering, mm -hmm. there was a, uh, an extension of the subway that was being done. And I remember it was a Friday and we had to go to this place where, where the uh, Metropolitan Transit Authority, the MTA, New York City MTA, was going to show us the construction, right? So they were like, go to this address and that's where the presentation is going to be. And then we're going to take you down to the tunnels where you can see construction underway mm -hmm. so so i'm with my college buddies and we go into this building and i remember it was called the the address was 30-30 northern boulevard in queens uh -huh. all right outside there's this sign that says the 3030 club and i'm like okay what the hell is this <laughs> so so we go inside and literally it looked like something from like a tv show like married with children uh-huh this place was wall-to-wall -wall red carpeting. 
Wow. It had these long runways of at least, I'm going to say, 20 to 25 feet out with glass. So the walkway itself was glass. Wow. And you had these people from the MTA with their laptops. They were doing like a PowerPoint presentation explaining like the tunneling, uh, the reinforcement of, uh, you know, <laughs> of uh, the, the subway. There was an elevated subway like right above us. And they're talking about all this. I mean, like in the middle of this strip club, because effectively what the MTA had done was commandeered the strip club mm-hmm. as part of the construction. And shortly thereafter, from what I understand, that building had gotten torn down. I think there's an MTA building and they call them like an air shaft there now. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember my friends and I looking at each other. It's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> That's pretty funny. You know, that, that kind of reminds me of a, a funny part of my the, the time when I went. Um, at the time, I was working at a bank, and it was the other bankers that were taking me there. Our, our manager, who's who is a female, is like, so where are y'all taking Chris? And they're like, we're taking him to church. Well, the funny thing about it was the name of uh, the strip club is called St. James. And in Houston, it's known as the church. <laughs> so she's like, they're like, we're taking him to church. She's like, y'all aren't taking him to church. Where you, y'all aren't taking him to church on a Friday night. Where are y'all taking him? <laughs> you know, but yeah, so we went to St. James. <laughs> you can look it up and, or I'll post it down in the comments so everyone can see. <laughs> but yeah, they call it the church in Houston. But uh, I don't know. It was a little, maybe a little disappointing. I, it just was, I guess they're fun to think about, but I didn't, uh, I didn't personally like it as much as I thought I would, but that's just me. So, <laughs> you know, like what I'll say, Chris, is like my philosophy, like on that, is that well, I mean, I guess the fantasy in a strip club is that the girl desires you, right? Right. Yeah. But the thing is, is that you have to pay them. Right. She's there order. for one reason and one reason only: that's to make money. <laughs> that's right. You know, and to you know, I guess suck as many dollar bills out of your wallet as possible. Right, yeah, and and I and I don't know what the going rate is in uh, New York. It might be higher than Texas, but if I, I'm and I'm trying to remember from memory from you know about fourteen or fifteen years ago now, but I want to say it was about twenty or thirty dollars a dance. A lap dance is two three minutes long, if that. So you're paying thirty dollars for three minutes of entertainment. That's a that's a lot of money when you think about it. <laughs> Yeah, and like I said, and it's a fantasy. So yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I, I can't speak for Alan No Man guys, right? But it's like I, I guess my problem's always been it's like, well, like what's really the point? Right. Like I, I like I said, I mean, if you wanted to pay, let's say for a prostitute, it's one thing, but just just to be like up there and just to see a woman dancing naked, like is that? I guess it turns some people on. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I I I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I absolutely know. I mean, you know, I think everybody knows I'm a flight attendant and I, uh, you know, I travel with, uh, you know, guys and girls. And I, and I know a lot of guys and girls both that go to strip clubs on layovers all the time. <laughs> you know, I don't, but they, you know, whether they're laying over somewhere in the U.S. or they're laying over in you know Germany or Amsterdam or what, you know, whatever it may be, they that's one of the things they do. They go to strip clubs. So there's definitely people that are into it or you know obviously the the clubs wouldn't be in business if there wasn't <laughs> yep. so so enter al and the no ma'am crew whoa did you see the headlights on that last stripper <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
How about the taillights on the one with the tattoos? Those weren't tattoos. Those were my fingerprints. <laughs> okay, you guys go ahead on in. Now, in case Marcy's in there, remember, I wasn't with you. I was working security at, um, uh, Wong's Dry Cleaners. <laughs> it's time to face the wives. Uh, <laughs> All right, now remember this, men. Just as a man's eyes must adjust to the light when he's been in the dark, so too must a man's eyes adjust to his wife when he's been in the nudie bar. <laughs> Ergo, do not look directly at them. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> now, Chris, who's missing from this group today? You know, I, well, to me, there's two people missing. Uh, for some reason, uh, we don't see Officer Dan, and then we also don't see Griff, which was odd to me, especially at this point. I would think we'd be seeing Griff on the regular. And then I'm trying to remember if chronologically where we're at, if Officer Dan has actually joined No Ma'am yet. But Griff, it feels like we should be seeing on the regular, right? Is that who you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the thing is that, you know, as we've said before, Griff is divorced, so he doesn't have a wife to come home to. Oh, right. So so I guess there was no dialogue for him. Right, yeah. But a great great point you made on, on Officer Dan, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, Griff doesn't fit in in this episode because, you know, he, it, he can go to a strip club anytime he wants. He doesn't have a wife to answer to. <laughs> Yeah, and you know what? I think I just answered the question, too. Officer Dan joins No Ma'am in the I Want My Psycho Dad episode, which aired the last two weeks on the podcast. Okay. However, when you look at production code order, The Naked and the Dead, but mostly The Naked, it was aired directly afterwards. Okay. So this was production code 912, but it is 914 on the airing. Okay. In the airing order. So that, that maybe explains why we don't see Officer Dan. Okay. But Griff, Griff certainly should have been on this episode, but I guess he didn't have, like, someone to come home to. Right. Maybe they could have had, like, a um, a girlfriend. Yeah. Well, you know what would have been funny? The way they could have had him be in here would be like, you know, I don't give a damn. I'm not married. I'm staying here. You know, I'm <laughs> or like, y'all y'all have fun or y'all have fun on a cup night. I'm going on D cup night. You know, it's like <laughs> he could have, you know, been taunting them or whatever. You know, that would have been funny. They could have certainly could have uh, worked him in. Right. So the guys banter and uh, they come up with a cover for Jefferson. Mm-hmm. So Jefferson works at Wong's dry cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and Al has to wear sunglasses as they adjust their eyes to the wives. Hey, Peg. Hi, guys. How was the club? Just a minute. Now tell me, what do you guys get out of going to strip clubs? We get out of the house. <laughs> Seriously, Al. Oh, come on now, Peg. Don't let Foghorn Leghorn here make an issue out of this. It's no big deal. Oh, hey, guys. 
I just got back from guarding stuff. <laughs> Where have you been? Jefferson. They went to a strip club. <gasps> you make me sick. Well, Jefferson thinks it's a big deal, Al. Now, Al calls Marcy Foghorn Leghorn. Yeah, uh, Foghorn Leghorn is a cartoon character who appears in Looney Tunes and the Merry Melodies cartoons and films from Warner Brothers Animation. Warner Brothers Animation. He was created by Robert McKinson and writer Warren Foster and starred in 29 cartoons from 1946 to 1964 and the golden age of American animation. All 29 of these cartoons were directed by McKinson. Foghorn Leghorn's first appearance was in the 1946 Henry Hawk short Walkie Talkie Hockey. With the Tasmanian Devil, Foghorn ranks as the two most popular McKinson-created characters. Definitely one of my favorite. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely a classic and uh, one I always liked as a kid. Yeah, you know, what I don't understand is, though, like Foghorn Leghorn, you know, is like a, is a rooster, right? So mm-hmm. you would think if Marcy is a, she should really be a hen. I would think that they would have used the illusion of Miss Prissy instead of yeah. Foghorn Leghorn. I was going to say, my favorite part of that exchange before they walk inside the house was immediately right after saying, you know, right after Marcy says Jefferson doesn't go to strip clubs, you know, <laughs> he goes, man, did you see the headlights on that one? <laughs> he's the one, he's the most obnoxious of the group talking about the, headlights on that girl you know yeah and also i think this is uh, one appearance of the character charlie that we see right yeah i i don't think we see him more than once or maybe twice so tell us what do you do there nothing uh sit and watch ladies dance and junk <laughs> and are they naked no <laughs> no they're wearing those uh What's you call it, sir? Shoes? Well, all I can say is that if I ever caught my Jefferson going into a place like that, I would do things to him that would make Lorena Bobbitt toss her cookies. So now Marcy has an interesting line. All I can say is if I ever caught my Jefferson going into a place like that, I would do things to him that would make Lorena Bobbitt toss her cookies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, for those of you... Uh, we're too young to remember. In the early hours of June 23rd, 1993, Lorena Bobbitt took an eight-inch knife from her apartment's kitchen and cut the penis off of her husband, John Wayne Bobbitt. Yeah, you know what's interesting is I was a kid when this happened. Okay, June 1993, I was nine years old, but somehow I knew this story because I remember jokes about this in elementary school and middle school and stuff. <laughs> like I remember John Bobbitt jokes, oddly enough. Oh yeah. So I don't know how, I don't know how I, at that age I knew about that, but <laughs> maybe from probably from this episode of married with children. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Chris, it was everywhere. I, I remember, I mean, it was probably a punchline for at least two years. Like, you know, like there are these pop culture things that happen and maybe like they last, you know, a few months or a year. I mean, I'd say the the John Wayne Bobbitt jokes um, they w- those went on forever. Uh, I could tell you a quick story. I remember uh, I had an Italian class. So I took Italian in high school, right? 
So I need an easy A, all right? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. So uh, one time the chairman of the department, who didn't speak Italian, he spoke German, he comes into my Italian class, and uh, it was a conversation class. So effectively what we did was we just spoke, we just talked about things that were happening either on the news or in our lives. Everything had to be in Italian, right? Uh, so <laughs> the chairman just came in to observe, and we're having the teacher is having an entire discussion and it was on this case the Lorena Bobbitt and John Wayne Bobbitt case so we were learning like verbs like how to sew I remember <laughs> so I mean good memories from that time period uh, I saw an article about her like uh, she like wants to uh, Lorena Bobbitt her, uh, her maiden name is Gallo if I'm not mistaken like she like they did a whole cover story on her in the New York Times, I'm going to say a few years ago, and yeah. you know how she talked about wanting to move on from that because like that's what that's what she's notorious for, right? Right. Uh, I mean, the, the story itself, I mean, it was just more, more than a punchline. I mean, according to Lorena Bobbitt, she suffered from mental abuse, uh, uh, physical, sexual, and mental abuse from her husband, and that sort yeah. of drove her to the brink of insanity. And I believe she was acquitted. By reason of insanity. Yeah, I, I seem to remember that. Didn't they, not to get too graphic, but didn't they reattach it, I think? Yes. Weren't they? Yeah, he had surgery. And then I feel like I could be totally misremembering this, but I feel like the two of them both did like some sort of reality TV or something, right? Yeah, years later, yes, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and actually, uh, the reattachment part, we have a uh, connection to Married with Children, which will be coming up later in the episode. We'll talk about it when we get there. Okay. So Al and the guys try to explain to the women what they do at the nudie bar. And what do you do with those strippers? Do you touch them? No! <laughs> no, we don't do anything with them that we wouldn't do with you. <laughs> and you know we don't touch you. <laughs> That's just the point. Marcy says the only reason you go there is because we don't turn you on anymore. Oh, she does, does she? Well, how ridiculous is that? You people don't turn us on anymore. <laughs> anyway, uh, ladies, while it may seem that the nudie bar is a place where men go to watch surgically altered hooters sway oddly to bad music, in reality, <laughs> It is a place where men go to relax and unwind and watch surgically altered hooters sway oddly to bad music, Pat. Gee, Al, I guess we were misled. Sounds like totally innocent fun. You're right. So I guess you wouldn't mind if we joined you. <laughs> Join us? At the nudie bar? Well, sure. We want to relax and unwind, too. From what? Tearing open the packages of ho-hos with your teeth all day? Exactly! I mean, no! Take it or leave it, Al. Either you take us with you the next time you go, or you are never going there again. And just how are you going to stop us? We won't give you any money. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> so it's like, we want to relax and unwind too. From what? From tearing open the packages of ho-hos with your teeth all day? 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> and there's another reference to ho-hos. Yep. Yeah, not ding-dongs this time, but ho-hos. Yep. You know what I was just thinking? I wonder how the hell, stri- you know, this is off topic now, but I wonder how the hell strip clubs managed during the, the COVID-19 era. <laughs> when you can't, I mean, how, how the heck can you give someone a lap dance? Well, I mean, I guess most places are reopened now, but, you know, let's let's say, you know, middle of last year, fourth quarter of last year, how the hell could you give someone a lap dance in the COVID-19 era, you know? <laughs> well, I'm saying uh, probably with masks and uh, and shields, right? <laughs> <laughs> that would suck, wouldn't it? <laughs> I remember one of my uncles telling me, you know, so when uh, the euro was introduced in Europe, right, uh, a country like Italy used to have what were called lira, right? And it was all paper money. So like a thousand lira back in the day was let's say 50 cents, but it was a bill, right? And they were all bills, like a thousand lira, five 5,000 lira, et cetera. So I remember he was telling me that these strippers, when the euro uh, converted over, like in other words, uh, a bill, the smallest bill, which was 50 cents, was now replaced by coins, you know, up until two euros. So if you've traveled to Europe, you have one euro, two euro coins, and then you have a five euro banknote. So it's like if you wanted to give a stripper a tip, like it would have to be coins. So they were like, well, you know, it's like they have to probably wear magnets or something so they could uh, you know, pick up the uh, the money now because they're not going to get bills anymore. That's funny. <laughs> that's, funny. That's, that's an interesting job, you know, for sure. You got cheapskates that don't want to tip, I'm sure, and you got – I wonder if I wonder if there's guys that try to pay with like counterfeit bills and stuff like that when they go to strip clubs. <laughs> I'm sure they do. <laughs> so so now we cut to Al and the No Man guys inside of Al's garage. Al, are you nuts taking the wives to the nudie bar? They're gonna see how we act. They'll kill us. <laughs> Jefferson, first of all, what makes you think I'm afraid of my wife? The fact that we're whispering about this in your garage. I've got this thing all worked out. We're going to take them on Thursdays. Thursday night? That's our bowling night. (laughs) And why do we go bowling on Thursday night? Because at the Jiggly Room, it's always a cup night. (laughs) There's not a doctored yummy in the house. (laughs) Hence, we won't get excited. So they're whispering in the garage. And Al comes up with this brilliant idea of taking them on Thursdays. And why on Thursday, Chris? Well... That's bowling night, but why do they why do they have bowling on that night? Because it's a cup night. <laughs> <laughs> so Jefferson says there's not a doctored yummy in the house. <laughs> yeah. So I guess Chris is like, let's take a pause here. You know, I mean, so what is it about men and breasts? Like, you know, why the infatuation? I guess we should have had a woman on this episode, right? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's just something about them. <laughs> we lose our minds. <laughs> I, you know, I, I've, I've tried to think about this. I mean, I guess they're food. 
I mean, yeah. what's what's the primal instinct? Yeah. Well, you know, we talked about that during the um, the uh, episode that we recorded with um, Alyssa, I believe it was. Uh, you know, the the uh, breastfeeding episode. Yep. How men um, obviously are attracted to breasts. You know, there's a lot of Hooters jokes throughout Married with Children, but Al and Griff, the 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 minute uh, a woman breastfeeds in front of them, they're disgusted. <laughs> but yet. Which is ironic because the actual purpose for breasts is to feed their children, you know, uh, and that's amongst all mammals, uh, whether we're talking, you know, dogs or cats or cows, what have you. But uh, humans, there's something about us men. <laughs> we're the we're the one, uh, I guess, creature you could say that's managed to sexualize them, you know. <laughs> yeah. So. And, you know, one of the interesting things is, do you know that, you know, breast size does not correlate to, like, how much milk a woman can produce? Yeah, not at all. You know? Not at all. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I think, like, people who don't know would say, well, you know, the bigger the breasts, the, you know, the more milk. Like, if, like if you think about, like, the relationship, right? Because you would think it's like, well, if I'm going to, like, someone who has bigger breasts, therefore, is going to produce more milk. But quite frankly, someone with bigger breasts may not produce much milk at all, and someone with very small breasts might produce a lot of milk. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's that's it's for sure. It's uh opposite of what you might think sometimes. But what if we do? <laughs> well, then try to imagine Jefferson's wife up on stage with no clothes on. <laughs> and if that doesn't work, try to picture Jefferson up on stage with no clothes on. <laughs> what if that doesn't work? <laughs> Then you're out of the club. <laughs> so, so we have a question about Ike's sexuality. <laughs> so they're talking about Jefferson being up on stage. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, imagine him with no clothes on. It's like, well, uh, then imagine if it's, um, no, it's actually, he starts with, it starts with Marcy up on stage. And if that doesn't work, picture Jefferson. And then Ike says, well, if that doesn't work, <laughs> I said, well, well, you're out of the club. <laughs> you know, you know, honestly, I, I, that never struck me as Ike might be gay or bi. That struck me as just, he's a dummy. <laughs> it just doesn't, didn't think about what he was saying first. Like, you know, we've all said something before. And then immediately after we say it, we're like, what the hell did I just say? <laughs> I just said something either gay or something extremely stupid. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> I don't know. I never, that, I, that never struck me as him being gay. That just struck me as him being a, an idiot, basically. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. But that's the way I read it at least. But who, who knows? There might be a question. I don't know. So now we cut to the B plot of the episode and Kelly has arrived for the commercial. Commercial? I'm Kelly Bundy, the Waste Away Girl. Are you the hairdresser? No, I'm a professional wrestler they've nicknamed the hairdresser. Oh, okay. Um, well, when the hairdresser gets here, you just tell him that I'm supposed to be peppy for this commercial, so I'd like kind of a windswept look. Not too far off the face, but with the sides with a little bit more texture, okay? Mm -hmm. oh. Done. 
you know, I got a I got a story about this. So I uh, earlier this year, I took a uh, acting class just as as just for the fun of it. Uh, you know, I I try to do a new hobby or two every year. And this year I took an acting class and uh, my teacher, uh, he's a really good teacher. He's been in, in a lot of um, a lot of different movies and commercials. And uh, kind of his his big thing is that uh, he, he was in the Budweiser Clydesdale commercials during the Super Bowl uh, years ago. But um, anyways, if you notice how when Kelly sat down with that hairdresser, the hair just basically fluffed her hair for about a half of a second there. <laughs> my my teacher in my class would always tell us that, you know, whenever you're doing a part, if the if the hair or makeup person likes you, they'll literally spend hours working on you. If they don't like you, they do a quick fluff and you're done. <laughs> and we basically saw that there because this hair guy is obviously, you know, either annoyed by Kelly or he clearly doesn't like her is a, is a safe statement. You know, <laughs> he just does a half a second fluff and he's like, there, you're done. <laughs> so that's. It's like that in real life is the point I'm getting at. So then we cut to a heavyset girl who comes in, talks to Kelly. Excuse me. I'm looking for the dressing rooms. Oh, they're over in the producer's office. But he's really stupid. He had me try on 30 different outfits before he made up his mind, so. Thanks. <laughs> Now, I believe this is Judy Carmen. So on IMDb, it shows that she was born in 1963, but died at the age of 52 in 2015. Mm. So that's uh, pretty sad. Yeah. So Kelly just shows her how stupid she is about. Uh, so she tried on 30 different outfits in the producer's office. <laughs> yeah. I like the way the 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 heavyset uh, chick just <laughs> rolls her eyes at Kelly like what a moron <laughs> basically you know So now we get to one of our beloved characters on Married with Children beloved minor character and it's uh, Leland Orser who plays the director He actually has a name in this episode Mark but we mm -hmm. all we all know him as the director uh, and he was on this episode, The Two That Got Away, and Kiss of the Coffee Woman. It felt like he was on more than three, honestly. He's, he's, he's memorable with, what he, with, with how he presents himself, that's for sure. I always laugh. Kelly, Bonnie to the set, please. Hi, Kelly. I'm your director. Okay, okay. When I say action, I want you to turn away from the fridge, look into the camera, say, and baby, look at me now, then sip, go, mmm, and say the flavor. Can you do that for me? Is a bear Catholic? <laughs> yeah, his delivery is awesome. So he says, when I say action, I want you to turn away from the fridge, look into the camera, and say, and baby, look at me now, and sip and go and say the flavor. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, can you do that for me? So Kelly says, is a bear Catholic? <laughs> so that's a mashup, another malapropism of is the Pope Catholic and does a bear shit in the woods? <laughs> Let's get started. Okay. Places, please. Oh, how will I know what the flavor is? 
From the taste. Okay. <laughs> Waste away diet, Ed. Take one. Action. And baby, look at me now. Mmm, cow pie. <laughs> <laughs> That's cherry. You taste it. I have. Look, from now on, we'll just label the cups. Cups? How much of this bile do I have to drink? <laughs> Action. And baby, look at me now. Mmm, kiwi. <laughs> Mmm, <laughs> salmon. Now, Kelly is not thrilled with the flavors that she's tasting. No, not at all. So the first one tastes like cow pie, <laughs> which the director says is cherry. <laughs> so now we go through a bunch of uh, different flavors. Kiwi, cabbage, salmon. And she pukes. <laughs> I'm just sitting here shaking my head like, I mean, who in the hell would, would want to drink a shake? <laughs> Taste, you know, flavored like cabbage, uh, any type of fish, <laughs> whether it's salmon or whatever. I mean, <laughs> kiwi. I mean, I, I can go with kiwi, right? The kiwi one. Now, that one is actually reasonable. P kiwi is doable, but cabbage Salmon? I don't think so. <laughs> so now we cut back to the nudie bar. Al and No Ma'am enter with their wives. Right this way, ladies. Right this way. Jeez. What a dog. Well, I don't know. It's better than some of the restaurants Al's taken me to. So there's a comment made that it's a dump, but, you know, Peg says it's better than some of the restaurants that Al's taken her to. <laughs> Where the hell is he taking her? <laughs> understand why you have to dress like that i'm a pillar of the community marcy i shouldn't be seen in places like this oh hi jefferson hello maylin <laughs> that's a relief i thought i was the only dry cleaner security guard working undercover tonight <laughs> so jefferson comes in disguised huh because he doesn't want to ruin his reputation yeah, I mean, he's a pillar of the community, you know, so he has to really make sure no one recognizes him except for that waitress. <laughs> hey, Al. 
believe you spend time in places like this. I mean, what kind of example is this for our son? <laughs> I gotta go. Another emergency bypass, Dr. Bundy? Uh, yes. Yes, it appears my beeper has just gone off. Also. I'll see you tomorrow. So we cut over to Bud, who's getting himself a lap dance. <laughs> So I believe that the stripper is Brandy Ledford, uh, who has the name Brandy in this uh, episode. <laughs> you know, it sort of reminds me of, um, you remember National Lampoon's European Vacation when uh, uh, Clark and Ellen find Rusty in the um, cabaret club? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you remember what Rusty says? <laughs> he goes, oink, oink, my good man. <laughs> it's funny he says well another emergency bypass dr Pun- bundy <laughs> yes it appears my beeper just went off also <laughs> i wonder do men really do that when that when they go to strip clubs i guess they 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 might lie and try to impress you know the stripper lie about their job or something you know, i guess if i went instead of saying i'm a flight attendant i would say i'm a pilot <laughs> well well, I imagine it depends on whether or not you have a, a a platinum card in your wallet nowadays, right? Yeah. I'm just thinking, like, I, to me, that's sort of dumb. I don't think she really cares what you do. She just wants to know, do you got money or not? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's pretty funny. We now get introduced to Iqbal. Good evening, patrons. <laughs> Welcome to the Jiggly Room, where we present the finest in yada, yada, yada. <laughs> Our first A cup tonight is a delectable little dish we like to call Shay And that's Iqbal Theba who plays Iqbal, so they actually used his name. So he's got a very thick, um, <laughs> a very thick Indian accent, I guess is what we're going to, or like sort of that part of the world, right? Right. Now, he says, you know, welcome to the Jiggly Room where we present the finest in yada, 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 right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, Annabelle had to point this out that yada, yada, yada was, when Iqbal says it, was still a few years before Seinfeld made an episode about it in 1997. Hmm. How about that? Yeah. I, I have an embarrassing confession to make. When Iqbal walks out on stage there, that camel behind him, I swear, I always, for some reason, I always thought that camel was real until today when I was watching the episode earlier. <laughs> I just happened to glance back there and I was like, wait a second, that camel's not real. That's obviously uh, either a large stuffed animal or just a prop. I'm not sure. I actually just rewatched it now, but I guess listeners, when they view this episode, I mean... I think it's one of those things. I saw this episode when I was a kid and I was about nine years old and I thought it was real. And then I just never thought about it until I was watching it for this podcast, you know, analyzing it. But I swear I thought that camel was real. (laughs) (laughs) 
did we leave off last week? Uh, we were discussing health care reform, I believe. Ah, yes. I did. Oh, excuse me, ma'am. I believe you dropped this. <laughs> we were weighing the benefits of uh, medical malpractice torts against uh, across-the-board employer insurance contributions. Uh, yes. I'd like a bowl of your freshest Air Pop popcorn, please. And I'd like an unflavored mineral water with a lemon wedge. Two beers. Gee, Al, I have to admit, this isn't anything like I thought it would be. I know, Peg. Usually it's a little more civilized in here, but when the talk turns to health care, damn it, I become an animal. <laughs> Whoopsie. So no Al talks to no ma'am about the benefits of medical malpractice torts against across-the-board employer insurance contributions. So this was a big thing uh, around the time this episode was aired, uh, or taped and aired, which was back in 1993. Um, the Clinton health care plan was a 1993 health care reform package proposed by the administration of President Bill Clinton and closely associated with the chair of the task force deserving or devising the plan, First Lady of the United States, Hillary Rotten Clinton. The task force was created in January of 1993, but its own processes were somewhat controversial and drew litigation. Its goal was to come up with a comprehensive plan to provide universal health care for all Americans, which was to be a cornerstone of the administration's first-term agenda. The president delivered a major health care speech to U.S. Congress in September 1993. During his speech, he proposed an enforced mandate for employers to provide health insurance coverage for all their employees. Opposition to the plan was heavy from conservatives, libertarians, and the health insurance industry. The industry produced a highly effective television ad, Harry and Louise, in an effort to rally public support against the plan. This was covered under our old plan. Oh, yeah, that was a good one, wasn't it? Things are changing, and not all for the better. The government may force us to pick from a few health care plans designed by government bureaucrats. Having choices we don't like is no choice at all. Yeah, they choose. We lose. For reforms that protect what we have, call toll-free. Know the facts. If we let the government choose, we lose. Call today. Instead of uniting behind the original proposal, many Democrats offered a number of competing plans of their own. Hillary Clinton was drafted by the Clinton administration to head a new task force and sell the plan to the American people, which ultimately backfired amid the barrage from pharmaceutical and health insurance industries and considerably diminished her own popularity. On September 26, 1994, the final compromise, compromise Democratic bill was declared dead by Senate Majority Leader George J. Mitchell. I mean, I remember that. I mean, it's just interesting. You know, we're talking about things that, you know, 26 years ago at this point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're still part of the national agenda. I mean, yep. you know, we're still talking about health care. We're still talking about health care reform, you know, despite, you know, all of the some of the changes that have happened since then. Uh, yeah, it's still a very like hot button issue for many people. And obviously, we don't want to get into that here in the podcast. But sure. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's just interesting to see that uh, this is something that's been going around on for a while. I mean, yep. one of the interesting things is that uh, like national health care was first proposed by Richard Nixon back in the early 70s. 
Wow. So it just goes to show you, like, you know, 50 years later, uh, still a very hot button issue here in the U.S., especially for our international listeners. Ginger or Marianne? <laughs> Marianne. <laughs> Gilligan or Mrs. Howe? <laughs> Okay, so Ginger or Marianne, Chris? I'll say Marianne. <laughs> uh, this has been going on for years. Tina Louise played Ginger Grant, an amalgam of Ginger Rogers and Cary Grant, the glamorous movie star, while Don Wells played Marianne, a simple, innocent farm girl from Kansas. In large surveys, Marianne seems to win, hands down. Yeah, I'll I'll go with Ginger though. <laughs> all right, that's my preference. But yeah, I mean, I think I, I, from from what I understand, all of those questions through the years, it's generally Marianne who wins. Yeah. Now I thought the next joke was funny, Gilligan or Mrs. Howell. <laughs> well, that depends, of course. <laughs> uh, that's a great follow-up joke. Mm-hmm. You know. to apologize. I really thought you came down here to ogle these women. But if this is how you're going to act, you can have it. Come on, girls. Oh, no, no, Peg. No, now, wait a minute here. Don't go. Ike is about to start a conversation on auto repair. <laughs> now, you just stay seated here. It's uh, night's still young. So the women are not really too... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? They're not too pissed off about what's going on in the, in the nudie bar. Right. With uh, how the men are acting, because, I mean, Al and the guys are ignoring the dancers and they're just talking about things that I guess would be considered boring. Mm -hmm. So just when they are ready to leave and Al tells them to stay here, we see Iqbal one more time. And now the Jiggly Room presents a very special treat. (laughs) She is usually here on Saturdays, but this week she'll be getting married. To me. (laughs) And here she is, the two, the only, Rocky Mountains. Still here? Mm-hmm. Go home. Would someone please tell me who on earth would find that sexy? <laughs> Home, 
you think the wise will ever let us come back to this place again? <laughs> It'll be when they dump the bodies after they got us in our sleep. We can't go on dancing like this forever. What'll we do? What we all know we have to do. You mean? I'm afraid so. Now, I thought it was funny. Here was uh, Chris. He says, now... <laughs> She's usually here on Saturdays, but this week she'll be getting married. And he has to flip the card to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> like, why would he say that on stage? Well, he might say it, but he might just like laugh afterwards or wink at the audience. <laughs> that was pretty funny, though. So we now are presented with a stripper by the name of Rocky Mountains, who usually appears on Saturday nights. <laughs> porn star Letha Weapons so I was looking here at her Wikipedia she is an adult model and former pornographic actress who appeared in many adult films in the big bust category and when you see her in this episode you can probably tell why she's in the big bust category <laughs> she is from Louisiana she's currently 48 years old so doing some math she would have been in her early 20s in this episode 22 uh, 22 yeah oh so check this out i think this is the reference you were talking about earlier letha appeared in the 1994 adult video john wayne bobbit uncut featuring the pornographic debut of john wayne bobbit whose penis was severed in a knife attack by his then wife I had no idea that John Bobbitt was in a a, a pornographic film. <laughs> I mean, I this mean, is after I, this is after it got cut off, so I guess yeah, even I, the technology was, must have I, been I, really I, good back then. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's really impressive. They were able to reattach it and make it work that well. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty. I mean, that'd be impressive for nowadays, let alone you know twenty seven years ago. Now, I think this is what's interesting. So supposedly uh, Saturday night is D-cup night, uh, but her breast size, which is which are not real, were 36G at the time. <laughs> 36G? <laughs> uh, so Al and the guys go crazy. Yeah. I like the, well, the first shot of all of them is just them staring. Like they can't even speak. They're just, <laughs> they're just looking. <laughs> Al staring, Ike is sp uh, spilling, uh, you know, the so overflowing his wife's champagne drink. <laughs> Jefferson's beard is uh, <laughs> uh, standing at attention, we'll say. <laughs> Marcy's like, would you please tell me who in the world finds that sexy? And then we see Jefferson's beard. <laughs> yeah, fully erect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know something I've always wondered about these episodes where it shows these strippers like this? So we see uh, Rocky Mountains from her back. And from the back, she looks like she's topless. Like, was she actually topless when they were filming this? Yeah, that's a great question. Maybe she's wearing pasties, especially if you have a live studio audience, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking she's wearing pasties. But I mean, you know, from the back, she looks completely topless. <laughs> When Bob Rooney's right. up there with her. You know, I will say, she has a very beautiful face. I mean, like, she's, oh, yeah. she's very cute. You know, so I guess, like, you know, she got the implants, you know, to make money, right? What the hell? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but what I found interesting was 
on this specific one about the uh, John Wayne Bobbitt uncut film is mm-hmm. that it was so this episode is airing in January of 1995 so I, I'm assuming it's the first episode of 1995 so if her adult video was from the previous year even if it was for a few months back it's like you're mm-hmm. seeing her right at that at that exact same time. So I'm wondering if like the joke was <laughs> maybe somebody saw the adult video on the writing yeah. staff <laughs> and then it's like, well, let's get her for this to play the stripper for this episode because then it would be kind of funny for it to tie it back to Lorena Bobbitt comment earlier, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's so funny. Yeah, I, I, I well, when you mentioned that reference earlier, I wasn't sure what you're talking about, but now I see. That's so funny. <laughs> Well, like I said, you know, like we try to get into the head of the writers. It's like, what are they thinking uh, when they do this? I mean, look, I mean, I know that if uh, uh, Michael Moyer or if uh, uh, someone from the, uh, like, let's say it was Ed O'Neill, were listening to this podcast, it's like, why do you guys like go so deep into this? You know, but yeah. I, I think, you know, it gives us something to talk about, obviously. But uh, yeah. like I said, for myself, at least, it's like, I really appreciate the writing. I really enjoy uh, like mm-hmm. how how they try to um, you know take <laughs> take dialogue and make it funny and make it something that you know is entertaining, and yep. you know sometimes this you know a lot of times it's they succeed sometimes it falls flat and sometimes it also requires that the person who's listening is ed- somewhat educated in terms of what they're listening to. Yep. Right. <laughs> so uh, Jefferson says, "Do you think the wives will ever let us back into this place again?" <laughs> and Al says, "It'll be where they dump the bodies after they gut us in our sleep." <laughs> <laughs> so you boys know what we have to do, right? All right. So now we cut to each no mammer making love to his wife. Oh, Charlie. <laughs> oh, I. <laughs> Oh, Bob Rooney. <laughs> oh, Al. <laughs> oh, Mr. Lincoln. <laughs> and we see exterior shots of various homes within the neighborhood. You know what I found interesting about this is... The Bundy house is the biggest, nicest house of the group, with the except, possible exception of the Darcys. The Bundys and the Darcys both have rather large two stories, you know. But the other three guys, their houses are clearly smaller than Al's. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, you would know? think, uh, you know, Bob Rooney as a butcher has like a bigger, he's earning more money than Al, right? Yeah. I think pretty much everybody, you know, the guy that scrapes duty off the highway makes more money than Al does. But I thought that was funny. Now, I think like one of the historic things about this uh, scene that, that we just saw is that we get to actually see the exterior of the Darcy house. Now, we've seen mm-hmm. the interior. Now, mm-hmm. according to Annabelle, we've seen the interior and backyard, but we've never seen the front. Right. Now, one of the things I've done is, you know, if you Google uh, the, mar- the real married with children home where it is in the northern suburb of Chicago, like you can do a street view. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was curious as to where this house is. Now, it's not the house next door to uh, where that Bundy house is. And in, in, again, that northern suburb of Chicago. So, mm-hmm. like, I've tried to, I've one like, one afternoon I wasn't doing anything. I was like, let me see if I could find it. And, like, I sort of went around the neighborhood because I imagine it can't be that far away. Like, again, if they mm-hmm. were using the same kind of shot. 
but I wasn't able to find it. But if one of our fans out there sort of knows where that house is, I know that uh, at least myself and Annabelle would be very grateful to know where we could locate that home. Yeah, it's uh, that would be fun to do. It, it, the Bundy household, that's uh, one of my, you know, the exterior, that's one of my, on my list of places to visit there in Chicago. I think it's in, uh, is it Dearborn or Deerfield, Illinois, I think it is, uh, just outside of Chicago? Yeah, it's in the northern suburbs. I, I know it's very easy to find uh, with an yeah. internet search. Yeah, I'm going to definitely check that out. And I think it's really funny when Marcy says, oh, Mr. Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So now we cut to Alan Jefferson on the couch. Hey, buddy. You up for the jiggly room tonight? <laughs> no, Jefferson, I'm all jigglyed out. Hey, guys. Guess what it's time for? Armageddon? No, better. It is the world premiere of my Waste Away Diet commercial. Oh, man, when people see my face in this commercial, the offers are going to rain down like halves and pogs. <laughs> I'm going to be huge. Will Waste Away work for you? Ask former heavyweight Diane Graham. Other diets let me down, so I tried Waste Away. Baby, look at me now. That's not my head. They didn't use my head. And remember, I'm not just a waste away client. I'm the president of the company's daughter. Ah, now, pumpkin, you know that. Life is full of little setbacks. You, you, you just have to stand tall and, and learn to face them with courage and, and dignity. Huh? <laughs> and Jefferson says, hey, buddy, you up for the jiggly room tonight? <laughs> no, Jefferson, I'm all jigglyed out. <laughs> <laughs> so Kelly comes down and says, hey, you know what it's time for? And he says it's the world premiere of her Waste Away Diet commercial. They say when they see my face, the offers are going to rain down like calves and pogs. <laughs> so uh, it should be cats and dogs. So so calves would be like uh, small cows and pogs. You remember pogs? Um, that was like a game back. Uh, I remember it was popular in the mid 90s. Yep, I sure do. We used to collect them uh, when I was in elementary school. You know, there was, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Pogs. There was Power Ranger Pogs. There, there's these little, how do you describe them? Just these little disc things. Yep. <laughs> uh, it's it's sort of something you just kind of have to see and play with and know what I'm talking about. But, yeah, we used to collect them. We had, and there was the, you know, the, the small paper thin ones. Those were, you know, 10 for a dollar, but they had the bigger, thicker ones that were made out of, thicker plastic or made out of metal and those would get really expensive remember those the real thick ones sure i never played them but i rem i had friends i remember seeing it when i was in high school you know yeah like people doing it like the we had this one area of the cafeteria like and then there was like a driveway right behind it and i remember like you know guys like sitting around and you know playing with these things yeah yeah it was it was kind of one of those things like you know i was i was in elementary school when they were big so it was something we did. <laughs> yeah. And I, if you remember when uh, 
Marcy and Peg went to the spa. This is for the uh, 25th, uh, 25 years and what do you get episode. I think that's coming mm -hmm. up. Uh, there was a mention of pogs. So that was, uh, that's episode 17. So in a few weeks. But um, again, this was like pop culture, very specific to the 90s. Very short period of time too, Chris, right? It's not like it lasted years. I remember it was like, those was like a fad for like a little while. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that was something we did like in fourth grade. And then I don't I don't remember Pogs at all. Uh, by, by the time I was in uh, middle school and junior high, I don't remember Pogs at all. Like they just died. No. <laughs> it's almost like, you know, I, you know what you want to know, a modern day equivalent to Pogs fidget spinners. Remember how big those were yep. for a little while? Absolutely. For about a, for about a year. I mean, you found pit, fidget spinners. At Target, Walmart, grocery stores, near the checkout line, checkout line at convenience stores, airports, fidget spinners were everywhere. You don't see them anymore. They just died. They disappeared. You know? I mean, you could get a <laughs> fidget spinner for like a dollar and all the way up to like 50 or $100. Like, I mean, from very fancy ones, right? Yeah. It's like a status symbol. Yeah. All right. So now we cut to the commercial. And Kelly first says that she's going to be huge, but we find that it's not Kelly in the commercial, at least not Kelly's face in the commercial. Yeah. I kind of felt sorry for her. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. I love the uh, tagline there. <laughs> so she says, and remember, I'm not just a waste away client. I'm the president of the company's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> So for the two bald guys uh, on the uh, on this podcast, uh, what is that a reference to, Chris? That is the Hair Club, which was founded in 1976 by Seymour Cy Sperling, who famously quipped, I'm not only the Hair Club president, but I'm also a client in his TV commercials. I'm Cy Sperling, president of the Hair Club for Men. And these are just a few of the men who called our toll-free number for our booklet about thinning hair. This is the booklet that tells you what you need to know about every hair replacement method available. It discusses everything from toupees and wigs to transplants and weaves. And it even has a section on the realities and misconceptions of minoxidil. Just call our toll-free number now and I'll send you our new updated edition, which includes a whole new series of before and after photos like these. These men are actual clients and not models. They're men like you who discovered that you don't need drugs or chemicals, surgery or miracles, to have a full head of hair. To get all the facts free and without obligation, just call our toll-free number now, and I'll send you the new booklet. And remember, I'm not only the hair club president, but I'm also a client. Uh, and then, you know, by the early 1990s, uh, such as 1992, the hair club for men uh, was really, really big uh, in the United States. So, Luigi, I got to ask, have you ever attempted to use, um, let's say, Rogaine or any type of hair supplement? <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you my story after you answer. So, <laughs> uh, I did. Uh, mm -hmm. Propecia. Mm -hmm. have, you ever, have, have you ever heard of that? Probably. I've, I've never used it, yeah. but I'm probably one of the ones I saw or something. So, I was, I'm going to say around 1998. And okay. I... Uh, you know, I started losing my hair when I was 16, you know. Oh, wow. I mean, okay. like I sort of had started getting that uh, male pattern baldness in the front of my head. So mm -hmm. I I took this, uh, you know, so I went to my doctor and, you know, asked me a bunch of questions. 
I says, well, you know, we could try this out. And this, this drug had come out called Propecia. And they're all mm -hmm. sort of like the same. Now, you know, what causes hair loss is a surplus of dihydrotestosterone. I took it for a few weeks. But uh, one of the things about Propecia, one of the uh, side effects is, is it is a libido killer. Oh, really? For some people. <laughs> I'd say after three weeks, I felt like an 80-year-old man. Oh, wow. So I told my doctor, he's like, well, yeah, I mean, and actually he didn't tell me that it was a side effect. <laughs> you know, so like after I'm like, wait a minute, like, it's like, how do you feel? It's like, well, doc, I mean, you know, I was probably like 20 years old at the time. It's like, it's like, I yeah. don't know, like last few weeks, it's like, I'm feeling kind of, uh, I'm feeling kind of funny. And I explained it to him and he was like, oh yeah, that's a potential side effect. Well, I, yeah. I took that bottle, threw it in the garbage. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I was like, I'd rather be bald. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I don't blame you. Well, you know, as a kid, I always had long, thick, full-headed hair. And I started thinning out when I was about 23, <laughs> which is kind of crazy if you saw pictures of me as a kid. But I started thinning out when I was 23. And man, it happened so fast. Like you, some men, they start thinning out and it's a slow, gradual process over 10 to 15 years or something like that. For me, it started when I was 23, and by 26, 27, I was basically bald, you know. And I tried, um, or, you know, the, the whole section in the middle of my head was bald. Let's put it that way. But I, um, I tried Rogaine. I tried all types of different oils and stuff. None of it worked. And I, and I quickly realized I was just wasting money and time because you have to rub it in and you have to do all this stuff. And by the time I was... 27, 28 years old, I just started, you know, just clean shaving my head. And that's what I've done. You know, I'm 36 now. So I've been just clean shaving my head for about 10 years now. And personally, I think this is my best look. Yeah, it's the Patrick Stewart look, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, you know, some some men can do it. Some can't. It's sort of like sort of like some men look good with um with like, you know, goatees and mustaches and stuff. I don't think I look good with with a goatee or a mustache, you know, but some men do. Same with, ball, uh, you know, shaving. I feel like some men can pull it off, some can. I feel like I feel like I can do it. I feel like you can do it. I mean, you look, you know, you look great bald, you know. Whereas some men, you know, it, it all depends on the shape of your head. <laughs> some men just can't do it, you know what I mean? No, absolutely. I'm trying to think of, trying to think of an example like... Uh, Let's just say Richard Gere, I feel like he would probably look pretty dumb if he shaved his head. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't think he has the I don't think he has the right head shape uh, to shave his head versus Vin Diesel looks great shaving his head, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, like I said, if you have the hair, keep it, right? <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I think I find it funny. Like there's some there's some men who have hair, like a full head of hair, and they decide on their own just to shave it. You know, and then there's like people like me. It's like, you know, if, if I was able to regrow my hair, I would be an Elvis impersonator on the weekends, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> All right. So we end this episode with Peg and Marcy coming in the door and they have some edible underwear. Oh, Al, look what we got at the Hungry Undie. <laughs> Jefferson butterscotch
So she's like, Jefferson, your favorite butterscotch. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you know, that was to me like, uh, Chris, that was like the disjointed ending to the episode. Like, you know, in other words, there wasn't a reference to, you know, edible underwear before. Right. Yeah. So it's like, I feel like, and I don't know if that was a a function of the editing, maybe like the, you know, the script was edited or they cut something out in terms of what was broadcast. I mean, I mean, we, we see that the the men are having sex with their wives, right. Uh, Mm -hmm. During like that whole scene where we see the exterior of their homes, but it's like, you know, I guess the implication here is, is like, well, the women are getting a lot of sex right now because of what had happened in the nudie bar. But like it's what's disjointed to me is well where does the edible underwear come into this right I mean yeah, it should have been maybe, referenced you know I think you might be right maybe the, in the scene where they were having sex with their wives one of the one of the wives said something like hey I got the edible underwear or something like that and maybe they had to cut that out due to time you know maybe they had to edit that out due to time or something so now I remember there was a scene where um, I think it was Jefferson like coughed up a button on another episode. Because I think it was implied that he did eat edible underwear. Yeah, yeah, I, that does kind of ring. He's a bell. like button, right? You know, like he spits it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good stuff. Yeah. No, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app. And please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. So, Chris... How many waste away diet flavors do you want to taste for this episode? Well, I think I'm going to give three and a half waste away diet flavors for this. Um, I do like this episode. I think it. Uh, I think there there's a lot of funny parts. It's fun. It's always anytime we're in the nudie bar. It's always you know it's always going to be a good episode. It's always going to be a positive rating. Uh, we've got the No Man group together again. Uh, you know, you pointed out uh, that uh, Griff is not in this episode and uh, Officer Dan's not in this episode. So we do kind of miss them. I felt the B-plot was was funny. Uh, it, you know, it wasn't overly funny, but I did enjoy it. I, I guess the the reason I can't give it like a four is because it ended so anticlimactically, you know, for the reasons that you mentioned before. Maybe there was an earlier reference or joke that was cut out or something. I'm not entirely sure, but I do like this episode. I enjoyed it. Uh, I don't feel like it's a, you know, a home run episode by any stretch, but it is one I enjoy, and I will give it a three and a half. Okay. So for this episode... And what did I say? This is how many waste away diet flavors am I going to taste? Mm-hmm. Uh, I am going to taste three, uh, three different flavors for this episode. Huh? I like the episode. It's funny. I think the scene in the nudie bar uh, between Iqbal and 
uh, Rocky Mountain and the um, you know, and sort of the girls. I mean, I think like there's the, the the scenes where you could see the girls really pissed off in terms uh-huh. of like the, the men not um, uh, you know giving them uh, attention. I thought that was funny. I feel like you know again like that ending scene like that could have you know been tied back to something I think would have made it funnier. Uh, I also think there was a missed opportunity with uh, Bud. I mean, I th- I think that it was a funny setup, but I felt like it maybe needed a little bit more spice, or maybe like yeah. maybe he could have interacted with No Ma'am, or like you know, right. or maybe his parents could have said, "Hey, you know, like, hey Bud, what are you doing here?" or something like that, right? I mean, felt like yeah. there could have been something else to it. I mean, it's not a horrible episode. I mean, definitely yeah. uh, a lot of laugh out loud qualities, but. Um, uh, not a home run, definitely not a five or a four in my book, but funny, but funny nonetheless. Yeah, you you make a good point. I mean, aside from just that one little moment of Bud getting a lap dance, we don't really see him uh, <laughs> this episode. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't. You know, it would have been great to see Bud get. You know, maybe he makes a remark to one of the girls and gets slapped and knocked across the room and we see his dummy fly across or something, you know, that would have been funny. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, and this episode went very quick too. Like, I mean, it yeah. like even like the Kelly scenes and the B plot, mm-hmm. I mean, again, very funny. Uh, you know, I love the director. It's the first time we're introduced to him. Uh, you know, I think like, I have to give Christina Applegate a lot of credit and how she acted in that because yep. effectively she has to show that, you know, what she's drinking is very gross and yep. and make believe that she's throwing up. And I think she did a really good, very convincing job for me. Yeah. Yeah, so three flavors. So tune in next week to the Married with Children podcast when Team Australia reviews Kelly Takes a Shot. Al gets an owl costume, again, owl, to scare away the birds who keep him awake. And to impress Amber, Bud helps Kelly to learn archery for her audition. So, Chris, our beloved Amber, Julia Tablack, will be on next week's episode. Awesome. Definitely looking forward to that. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, it's her second to last episode. Mm. All right. So thanks, everyone. We hope you enjoyed the review today. And tune in next week. Same Bundy time, same Bundy channel.